This is Fireman Trainers Podcast, Season 2, Episode 23, published on February 8th, 2022. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and our topic today will be classroom safety with blue guns. Our podcast is part of the concealedcarry.com network, brought to you by XS Sites, the best sites in any light and made in the USA. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Visit their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by Elite Survival Systems. Our students look to us for recommendations for top quality gear, and I have no problem recommending Elite Survival Systems gear. They offer a lifetime guarantee, and most of their products are made here in the USA, helping employ U.S. workers. I use the Guardian EDC backpack and have found it to be one of the most versatile backpacks I've ever used. Plenty of room inside and the laser cut molly on the front and back allow attachment of plenty of additional gear. And that's on top of the space inside for a tablet and additional EDC gear. Their motto is don't just survive, thrive. Visit EliteSurvival.com to see their complete lineup of quality products. We bring this podcast support in the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every fire instructor in America dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by John Petrolino. Welcome, John. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me tonight. It's great to be back with you. I think this is, I think this is my third time with you. This is the third time. And at last, you know, we talked about your book in the first one. Then we talked about the uh, going along, becoming a published author, you know, give uh, the listeners out there a little bit of an idea what maybe they could do if they want to get their work works published. And then this time we're going to be talking about blue guns, which I think is, you know, a very, uh, a very, very good topic because uh, of all the things that we're going to talk about. So, but before we jump into that, do you want to go along and give a, our listeners that haven't listened to those first two episodes, a little bit of your background? Sure. So I'm a, I'm a Jersey guy um, to, set the stage here so everybody knows what I'm dealing with over here, politically speaking. Uh, <laughs> and uh, with that camp comes a certain amount of baggage. So, um, you know, like we've chatted about before in the past to say um, I grew up, um, not to say I grew up surrounded by guns, but at a young age, I was involved in hunting activities and shooting, which uh, eventually progressed into getting involved in shooting with, say, uh, the, the Boy Scout programs and uh, onward and upward to being a um, being on the on the rifle team in college, and then uh, you have my my adult time, you know, my adult life where I really took up uh, you know firearm related activities uh, then as well. So I've kind of got some experience going back to being a youth, and then of course is being an adult. I um, eventually became an instructor and the, and the story about that's kind of interesting. And uh, I was taking a class with my brother-in-law and, and uh, he, he really didn't have as much experience as I did. You know, I had been shooting again, pretty much my whole life at that point. And um, when we got done with the class and it was a, you know, it was just the, the, uh, the old um, first steps pistol, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just your quick seminar, right? And we did a one evening, a couple of hours of book work. And then another evening we went and hit the range. And uh, when we were done with our range session, my brother-in-law was 
um, shooting into the dirt. He wasn't, he wasn't on paper. So I said to myself, there's got to be a better way to teach this. I don't understand why this guy's not on paper. Um, <laughs> you know, it can't be just his crummy aptitude. It's got to be something else. Like we, mm-hmm. we've got to be able to get him on paper. And um, so that kind of made me become an, want to become an instructor. And then I had uh, connected with another instructor that um, I had and, I was taking some classes from him and he had said, you know, I think that's a very good idea. I think you should go and uh, become an instructor. And so um, did all that. And, you know, here I am now. I mean, that's my side hustle. That's not my, my, my main source of income. So um, I want people to think that I'm running the, the John Petrolino Academy of Firearms. Um, you know, I do this because I like to do it. I do it because I like to work with people and you know i believe in gun safety and i i uh i think it's a very important part of um of our advocacy is to educate people um anyone that wants to know about firearms advocacy and also go along and making sure people realize the history of it and you know they they can exercise their rights because you know we're literally you know one law away from you know losing you know our abilities to do certain things and if we don't understand that then um you know we'll be waking up some morning wondering you know why why can't we you know shoot our guns for anything or why do we need permission to take them someplace so yep thank you for all you do with that john that's for sure and hey that brings us kind of the today's topic about uh, blue guns and muzzle direction because you wrote a article i believe in uh, uh bearing arms uh talking about this yeah it's it's got a little age to it now um so if we just turn back the clock um i had written this piece and and the way it was born was there was a conversation that had happened in the uscca instructor um social media page and somebody was talking about this concept of you know how we're supposed to treat uh blue guns or training aids and um, the instructor, she had expressed her frustration in dealing with another instructor that was being, um, you know, less than professional about not only the <laughs> the way that I feel you should be dealing, you know, with new gun owners and people that are complete neophytes, but also the way he handled her and um the attitudes and i'm sure you've heard a multitude of views on this subject yourself i mean it's kind of polarizing for certain people and i I don't get why um so it kind of gave me this idea about talking about um the importance of muzzle discipline and really following all of uh, of the safety rules so you know if you're in the uscca camp your your four rules or if you're in the NRA camp, your your three rules, so your cardinal mm-hmm. rules, and they all basically get you to the same place, right? And the place is to be, you know, where we're not blasting holes in each other inadvertently, accidentally, mm-hmm. or negligently, right? And um, so when we're dealing with uh, new people, and I love the the blue gun and the blue gun concept because again here I am in New Jersey, right? And being a trainer in New Jersey, just like being a gun owner in New Jersey has its baggage and it's got 
Um, it could be very difficult at times. Um, so there have been times where I, I will do house calls. I will do classes in people's homes. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, going over the book work. Um, there's a lot of people that are very apprehensive about firearms, and I'm sure you've dealt with them yourself as a trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, and the different uh, mentalities. And again, being in Jersey, it's a little bit different because we're in an area where um, the idea that firearms, it, it's something dirty and it's something nefarious or it's something um, <clears throat> clandestine that uh, you know makes people maybe a little bit ultra nervous. Um, so like if I have an opportunity to do some in-home work with students, it actually saves me a whole hell of a lot of time at the range, because if I'm at the range going over all of this material, as you know, it's difficult to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, if I'm going to be at somebody's home because of New Jersey's laws, I can't bring firearms to somebody's home. At least I can't bring a handgun or a pistol. That's the number one thing that um, I teach people on. And I'm sure that's probably the number one thing that gets taught across the country, because that's what people are using uh, the majority of the time for self-defense, right? And so you that's when the blue gun comes into play. And when I'm dealing with um, students, and this is you know something that I was taught very, very early on through the NRA program, I said, you know, just because it's a blue gun doesn't mean that we're not supposed to treat it like a real firearm. And I understand that it's a solid piece of blue plastic that it's in completely inert. And it's not going to fire and it's not going to go off, but that's not the reason why we want to behave accordingly when we're handling these. And um, if it's, if it's shaped like a gun and it it fits in your hand, like a gun and it feels like a gun, um, anything that you do with that firearm is, uh, you know, again, I'm doing like air quotes here, that firearm is going to. Uh, contribute to your your neuro net so that's part of the muscle memory when we talk about muscle memory and practice makes perfect and then the perfect practice makes perfect right mm-hmm. um anytime that we repeat a um an action that helps build synaptic connections in, in our neural nets and our brains and that's why when we practice things um, we get better at them is because your brain creates these shortcuts um, and then it makes it a little bit quicker and easier for, for you to complete a task. And that's how you can do things almost in autopilot, right? Sometimes if you're, let's say you're driving to work and you get to work and you don't even remember how you got to work because mm-hmm. you've been doing that the same way for however many years, Um, that's because you're just wired to do that. And so this concept on dealing with, um, with blue guns and, um, training aids were, um, the article itself, I, I came up with a fictional story with a trainer that's, you know, um, covering people with, with the muzzle of the blue gun and the cross section of people that might be, in that class that that trainer is teaching and um you know you've got uh 
different sexes. You've got men, you've got women, you've got um, people that are of different experience levels. You've got the guy that is just taking the class because he needs to, to have that training requirement to join a gun club. And then you have, um, you know, the retired police officer that needs this to, to qualify, whatever, you know, you can sit there and draw up as many type of archetypes as you want. And if you have this cross section of people, um, you know, you're doing damage to all of them. It doesn't matter the experience level, uh, especially when you're in a beginner setting, right? So the setting itself is a beginner setting. We're not talking about a force on force situation where it says, okay, Rob, you and I, we're going to take this class that's really intense and we're going to shoot at each other with, you know, simunitions, right? Obviously, that training aid, which is the simunition firearm, or which is a real firearm, correct me if I'm wrong, right? It's mm -hmm. how they work. Um, you know, there's certain safeguards and precautions involved, but when it comes to the, the 101 level, when we're dealing with people in the basic, basic class, uh, pretty much the only time that it would be appropriate to use that um, blue gun to point at somebody and cover them with a the muzzle is if you are practicing those force on force concepts that are much higher level than, mm -hmm. you know, your run of the mill instructor is going to even instruct. Like I'm, I personally, I'm not going to teach force on force stuff. I'm not qualified for that. I'm mm -hmm. qualified to teach, you know, basic and intermediate, um, you know, skills. I'm not going to, mm -hmm teach somebody how to attack somebody else. Um, well, I, th I think the one, what, the one important thing on the force on force uh, for the classes I've taken with that is you make sure that there's nothing that's not supposed to be there. You, know, you take, you know, the knives away that people have in their pocket. You make sure they don't have any live ammo, no Mac, you know, live, you know, and, ammo and their magazines that they're using the, uh, simunition, uh, gun or the UTM gun, you know, what, whatever the situation comes down to, because you just simply do not want to have a mistake. But as you said, you're dealing with a whole different level of student there to where they've mastered the control of it. They know how to shoot it properly. Now you're, you're exercising and training that muscle between your ears to know how to go along and process properly. So just as much as they can pull the, uh, draw the gun from, uh, from a holster and squeeze the trigger, make a really nice, good, uh, aimed shot. They also need to go along and be able to process, as you were saying too, on autopilot, what are they seeing? You know, is that person, you know, really a threat in front of them or is that just a cell phone they're holding or some different things like that? And that's what you're trying to do when you're doing force on force. And, you know, in the beginner classes, like you're talking about, there's my opinion, really no place to go along and, um, you know, shock people, um, you know, in that situation. Right. And, and what you're talking about, and you said something that kind of piqued my interest here. You said, you know, you make sure all of the pockets are empty. All the knives are gone. We don't want a mistake to be made, right? But here's the thing. It's, it's, not, it's not a mistake if you think about it. If you're attacking me and you're going to elicit this fight or flight reflex in me to get mm -hmm. that adrenaline response, if I have a knife in my pocket that I've been conditioned to know is in my pocket for a defense weapon, and I pull it out and I start stabbing you with it. That mistake was actually my wiring, right? That right. Wired I, I, to, exactly. I'm wired to do that. And, um, you know, so 
again, like, like you said, there's a, there's a time and a place for everything. Yeah. And when you have those higher level classes, sure. That's a completely different thing when, you know, when we're fighting, um, when we're practicing fighting, I mean, that's completely different. Um, so this is under the context of, you know, one-on-one, you know, you have the, the beginners. So you want to teach that student that it's not appropriate to point that firearm at somebody. You want to teach that student. It's not appropriate to put their finger on that trigger, even though it's an inert immovable trigger. Well, let's say you had a cert gun. I mean, the triggers move on those, you know, it doesn't matter whatever your training aid is. Um, the fact of the matter is that you don't want to have that neural net being wired to say, it's okay to do these things. And I've heard, uh, I've heard the arguments over and over again from so many different people to say, well, it's, uh, you know, obviously it's a fake gun. It's not, it's not a real gun. So this is stupid that we even ha are having this conversation of course, it's a fake gun. And, um, you know, what kind of an idiot are you that you don't know that? And it's like, well, I'm the kind of idiot that knows that <laughs> if you train to do these things, you're going to do them. That's the kind of idiot that I am, mm -hmm. right? Well, and I think the one thing to keep in mind when you're looking at a plastic gun, you know, blue gun, you're, you're thinking with your conscious mind. I mean, your conscious mind is literally looking at it. It's blue. You can definitely see the mold marks on the plastic. You can definitely go along and feel that the weight's not the same as a real gun. But your subconscious, it's going along and saying, yeah, but your hand still grips it the same. Your finger goes in the same place, and it still has the same sights. So what happens when you pick up a real gun? If you don't, if you don't have some, if you don't don't have the time frame for your conscious mind to go through their little checklist to make sure okay this is unloaded this is you know all those all those things to keep it safe what's going to happen you're going to have an accident or negligent um uh, going along doing it and that's where you know the, the you know how many people have gotten shot with unloaded guns in the past and that's one of those exactly. things to where you know they've picked it up a real gun they've you know made some assumption oh it's unloaded you know, nobody would put a gun away that's, that's loaded, or, you know, we just came back from break, you know, all these different kinds of things. And all of a sudden, guess what happens? You have a uh, discharge and hopefully it doesn't hurt somebody doesn't hurt anything, but at the same time, you know, it, you're playing the lottery. Um, it, somebody's going to win that lottery eventually. And, you know, it does, I don't want to be in my class. I know that much. No, that's, that's for sure. Absolutely. And I think if, if you remember when you and I were talking about this article, when it came out, um, it, the article came out, I want to say either the day before or, or the day of the, the situation that Alec Baldwin had. And this isn't, mm -hmm. this isn't to start going down that road. Um, but the irony of, of the conversation, the, the, the sad and, and tragic irony of it is, you know, you're on the set of this movie and again, people have Monday quarterbacked the situation um, until the sun's come up. And I've heard every single opinion on, on, on the topic, but at the end of the day, you know, this situation happened and, you know, maybe the question is instead of sitting here and saying, you know, uh, who, who ultimately, screwed up or who ultimately is responsible the, the questions that maybe we need to be asking 
are, you know, what do we absolutely need to do in our minds to make sure that this doesn't happen again or happen with us in our uh, circles, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously, if you're doing, like you said, some sort of a force on force, we're going to remove the live ammunition. We're going to remove any of the, the pokey, you know, sharp things that, you know, I might be compelled to stick in your eye because I think you're going to hurt me. Um, and, and all of those things. So, uh, you know, at this point it was said that, you know, it's possible that the cast and crew may have been using the firearm to, to shoot it, um, you know, for fun, you know, when they weren't filming the, the movie and that might be how that live round got out there. Well, it just shows you the importance of constant vigilance and, and, and if you look at the cascading failures, you're not just talking about one failure. You're talking about many failures to get mm -hmm. to that level. Every hand uh, that touched it, you know, before it got into Alec Baldwin's hand. And, you know, at this point, there's still a legal review about if any charge is going to be done. And that's where you've got everybody's opinion on it. But here's one thing that you can't argue. There right. are multiple people out there families that have been impacted by, it. you know, Alec Baldwin, love him or hate him. Doesn't matter. His family will be impacted uh, by that for the rest of their life. The cinematographer, her family, you know, she's dead now. That's, you know, her family is going to be impacted for a long, long time uh, for that. And you go along, you know, the cast and crew that were there, um, you know, it doesn't matter, um, you know, for the conversation about whether somebody's charged with, you know, manslaughter or, or, uh, uh, or murder what it really matters is realizing when things go wrong people are going to get hurt and it's not just okay put a band-aid on it and walk it off it's one of those things to where they're going to be living with it for the rest of their life and their family too and that's why you know in my classes i always take a very strict view on you know muzzling strict view when it comes to uh, having your finger on the trigger and those types of things, because I don't want to have to go through that, that situation. You hear about enough of the news. Um, Alec Baldwin was just the, the latest and the biggest that we've had in 2021 and, you know, realizing the impact that it had across the board, uh, for it is really important because that's, that's a part we should be more worried about. I mean, the law will sort things out eventually. But at the same time, guess what law, you know, putting somebody in prison or finding them or doing something like that, you know, making them do uh, community service does not bring people back to life. And that's, oh, and that's the know, bottom line of all that stuff. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it's like, we could sit here and talk about the, the one that I always bring up is gun storage. And when I talk, when I teach this and to my students, we, I said, look, we've got certain statutory obligations when it comes to gun storage. Um, your jurisdiction may or may not have a law that says how thou shall store a firearm. And, and there might be very precise, particular ways that you have to store your guns. Um, but b besides all of that, let's say that you're in an area where there are no storage laws per se, um, we do have the moral obligations to make sure that we are keeping the firearms out of the hands, out of the disqualified and keeping the firearms out of the hands of children that, you know, might ultimately make a mistake that costs somebody their life. Mm -hmm. And at the yep. end of the day, it doesn't matter what the law says, you know, when you're dealing with loss of life, you know, or, or limb, you know, 
uh, there's no bringing that back. It doesn't matter if you're acquitted or not, you know, there's no bringing that person back, you know, for, for the parent, you know, whose you know, kid finds a gun and shoots themselves or a playmate or something else like that. You know, I always ask the question, what punishment could you give them? I mean, you know, they've got to live with that for the rest of their life. You know, you, you can put them into prison, you know, for 20 years, but they're still going to come out, you know, broken, uh, because you know, they're, they failed as a parent to, you know, keep their kids, kids safe. And there's no way around that. I mean, that, you know, the emotional impact and such, uh, can be a, that could be a long one to overcome, uh, very, very. And that's where, you know, forget about the law, think about it more from the, you know, society and, and what the, uh, personal impact would be for it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So when we're, when we're dealing with this dynamic of the, the silly plastic blue guns that are very effective training aids, I do take exception and have issues with people that dig in and say, well, it's just a piece of plastic. It's not a gun. Um, again, you're, there's a whole science to, to this that involves our brains and how we, um, you know, train them. That's the, the concept of even the, you know, the Pavlov's dog, you know, you ring the bell and you feed the dog and then the dog eventually starts to drool when you ring the bell. And, um, if you ring that bell and you start beating the dog and when you ring the bell, eventually the dog's going to start to cower in the corner. It's because you've been conditioned and that's all, all of this is it's conditioning. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, uh, the human mind and it's, uh, you know, very complicated at the same time. It's absolutely amazing what the human mind can do, um, if properly trained, Well, you've done a lot of training, you've done a lot of higher level training, a, a bunch of stuff that I'm very jealous of that I wasn't able to make it out to this year. You, or that was what it was 20. Well, geez, we're in 20, 2021 now. Yes. Yeah, so that yeah. was 2021. Um, <laughs> I'm getting, <laughs> I'm having a hard time with the the new year thing here. Um, <laughs> but you had a lot of, uh, you know, really um, intense training opportunities in 2021. And w- what is something that's a common thread through all of that? You always default to your highest or your lowest level of training, right? So that's it. When you're, when you have a, a situation, when the, the defecation hits the ventilation, we're not going to rise up to the occasion necessarily. We're just mm-hmm. going to go to the, you know, to where we're trained at, at, at best, you know, at best, it'll be the best of where we've trained. Mm-hmm. Yep. And most definitely. And those are the things that everybody's got to keep in mind because even if I go along and say my high level of training, I don't have to, you know, I can differentiate between a plastic gun and a uh, real gun. I point one thing out to people. I'll still treat the plastic gun as a real one because I don't know who's all watching me. If I'm teaching a class and telling, telling people that this is what I can do, but you can't do it. How many people in that class are going along and say, wait a minute, you know, I've, I've got 10 years, you know, of, you know, shoot shooting when I was in the, in the military, I've got, you know, five years in law enforcement. I've been, you know, you know, my dad took me out shooting. So, you know, I'm, (laughs) I'm just, I'm just as good as Rob. And that's where you realize that, no, you've really got to, as instructors, you've got to lead by example, no matter what your level of training is, you've really got to make sure people realize that, Hey, even I, even at my level, you know, 
training and other people taking classes for the last 10 years, I'm still going to treat that firearm, that piece of plastic, with the same level of respect as if it was a real one on the range so that everybody understands just how serious I take it and pass it along to my students. No, and I think that's, you know, that's the right mentality to have. That's the right practice. And again, we want to shift gears and we want to talk about some of the higher level training that you've done. And okay, we could do that, but there's, that's not, it's not when you have um, a room full of brand new people that have uh, maybe never even touched a firearm. You know, that's not the time and the place to talk about um, and, and really any of these higher level concepts, whether it's force on force or any of it, you know, when you're at that beginning level stage and just say, listen, my job is to get you here to sit here and put holes in a piece of paper. Now, uh, granted, you know, that's more of like the NRA way of doing things, right. Versus the USCCA where USCCA is training the neophyte to be able to effectively self-defend, uh, but at the end of the day, we're still talking about, you know, holes and paper and that more training is going to be required. Mm-hmm. It's just well, which flavor, you know, it's which flavor, wh- you which have. flavor. And like I said, you don't know what everybody's coming to class with. You know, they've got assumptions uh, for it. one of the, one of the things I tell my students is uh, 80, 85 percent of what new students think you know they can do with a gun comes from Hollywood. And we know exactly, you know, uh, you know, where Hollywood, you know, gets all their, um, you know, special effects from different things like that. You know, everybody'd love, love to be like John wick, but can Reeves spent how long out there town, uh, tactical going along, learning right. all those moves and oh, yeah. you know, do his credit. He, sh- you know, what you see in the movie, he did himself, but at the same time, you know, nobody's going to be able to do that without, you know, that same kind of intense training. And I would venture, even with the amount of training he has, guess what? He's still going along and watching the muzzle on, you know, plastic prop guns on, you know, any, anything he touches, you know, fingers off the trigger muzzles in a safe direction, unless he, unless that camera's rolling and he knows exactly what he's going to be doing uh, with that during that scene. Yeah. Cause he knows what's at risk. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's just the, uh, the end of it, the end of the, I guess the punctuation to the story is, you know, um, be mindful of these things when, when you're working with your students and, and don't, don't be dismissive towards the, the person that's going to respect the blue gun or the training aid as much as a real firearm, because mm-hmm. there is science behind it. Well, and I even take, I'll take it one step further when we're handling a blue gun and somebody accidentally muzzle somebody i use this as a, as a uh, teachable moment because with somebody accidentally doing that with a blue gun it also underscores how easy it is to do it with the real gun and the need to go along and make sure that you don't muzzle yourself you don't muzzle people behind you in front of you you know on the sides of you all those different kinds of things as we're talking about holster selections as we're talking about different ways of drawing um very, you know, very important things for people to really realize, you know, if you're sitting in a car, guess what? You've got to really make sure that muzzle doesn't muzzle you or else what's going to happen. You could potentially shoot yourself at the moment that everybody else is shooting you. That's a really bad time to have one of those things with discharge <laughs> right. to say the least. That, that would, uh, as they say, spoil your day. Yep, absolutely. So, John question for you. Do you have a influential instructor or book that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Well, um, 
somebody that I've always found their work to be meaningful and his, you know, written about it. And he's an instructor is Masada Yub. Uh, and honestly, I want to, I haven't taken a class from him. I would really like to. Um, and I could recommend him just based off of what I've, I've heard. And then also his, his books. So, you know, any of the material that he's put out is, um, you know, phenomenal work that you could draw from it from the basic all the way up through, you know, um, use of force, right. Use of deadly force. Um, Moss has got work out there on, um, those topics. So he's a, a, a really phenomenal voice in, um, our, our, um, industry here. Mm -hmm. And here's one thing I will, um, I was fortunate in 2021 to train with Moss and do the mag 40 uh, class with him. And here's one thing that people may not always know. It was about three years ago that he had a negligent discharge during a snubby pistol class that he was training. He, ha he himself had one and he actually owned up to it, wrote about it on his blog to go along and explain what happened, where his mindset was and different things like that. Um, basically what it came down to was three people before him had checked a revolver, making sure that the round and that it was cleared, not, a, not the cylinder wasn't completely swung open. So guess what? When he looked at it, it wasn't completely swung open. And when he was doing the demonstration, he kept it pointed in the, in a safe direction when it went off, but he went back and, you know, shocked the heck out of him and everybody else. But he realized that maybe he got a little too uh, complacent with it and changed the way that he was uh, going along doing the demonstration in the future. And then I, my hats off to him from the standpoint of a, he owned up to it that you know there was a situation and try to explain it away. And B, he actually you know realized what happened because as instructors we need to be able to go along and recognize when something goes wrong and how to fix it or we've got to find some way of fixing it so it doesn't happen again. And to his credit. Um, again, he realized something went wrong. He fixed it and he hasn't had a problem since. And he's been out, he's been training, um, for close to 50 years now. So one, one negligent discharge, uh, during that time frame, and he still took it very seriously to make sure he doesn't have another one in the next, uh, you know, 50 years. Hopefully he can train that long. Uh, I know, that's, right? <laughs> um, you know, that, that's, that's a sign of a very uh, well-seasoned instructor in my mind. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, John, where can people find more information about you and the work that you're doing these days? Um, so the, the kind of the clearing house where you go for everything, John Petrolino is John Petrolino.com. So you go to J O H N P E T R O L I N O.com. And, you know, at my webpage, there's, you, you could be directed to more information on my book, decoding firearms, which, uh, is a you know a basic level book it's 266 pages so it's got some some um thickness to it um trying to comprehensively cover uh as many nooks and crannies that you might want to cover with a, a new shooter and um so there's information about the book there on on the website uh as well as the uh, contact me section which i i love to hear from people especially all over the country, uh, what's going on, things that might need to be written about. I do, uh, I do like to get tips on uh, things that are newsworthy. Um, I do maintain bylines at Bearing Arms and Amalam. So I have uh, uh, my articles come out there. 
and uh, pretty much that's the the places you could get me. And social media, I have Twitter and Instagram that are my my public profiles, um, and there's links to those on the on the web page as well. So if you want to follow me, um, you know, I have those uh, set up as well. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we definitely appreciate you coming on the podcast again, sharing your information and look forward to uh, future articles that you'll be putting out and to get some thought provoking ideas out there in the industry. Oh, Rob, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, John. Have a good day. That's a wrap for this episode. And let's announce this week's podcast prize winner. This week's winner is Jonathan, and they want a 2A Defender t-shirt. Next week's prize will be a barrel block, a very practical device for dry firing at home or in the classroom. Remember, entries do not carry over from week to week. So visit podcast.concealedcarry.com to enter in for this week's prize giveaway. Visit our sponsors, especially the Fireman Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Remember, use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. Subscribe to our podcast and also share it with your friends. You can also search all our podcast episodes on our website at farmtrainerpodcast.com. Do you have a suggestion on a topic, a future guest in mind, or just want to say hi? Email me at ftp at concealedcarry.com. We bring this podcast support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.